right. Who encountered Jesus already? <laughs> Come on. This is our mission statement here at Convergence, encountering Jesus and transforming cities with his power and love. I, uh, we did this today. We encountered Jesus, we opened the doors, and we literally let the sound of who he is fill Fort Worth. That's transforming cities with his power and love. So this is who we are. So I just want to encourage you, if you're a guest this morning, if this is your first time, this is who we are as a church. This is what you're stepping into this morning. When you come into this room, you are stepping into the reality that our job is to just get to encounter, receive from him, and then release it to a city around us. All right. If you would like my notes, you can text the number on the screen or you can use the giant QR code. I made it giant so that you could even get it from the back. Um, you, can, you can see the notes that I have in front of me on your phone. And I'm going to go ahead and jump in. My name is Andrew Fish. I'm the associate pastor here at Convergence. If, you're, if this is your first time, we're glad you're here. Ephesians, come on. I want to encourage you, again, we are, we are going to be in Ephesians here for the month of August. I want to encourage you to jump in. Like, don't, don't just take it on Sundays, but actually read Ephesians. It's only six, six chapters. If you're, like, wondering where it is, it's sandwiched right in between Galatians and Philippians. And it is a really amazing book of the Bible. Like, Paul packs a ton of amazing theology, doctrine, Christology, where he talks about Christ the gospel, like it's all packed in Ephesians. It's so good. So we're just going to, we're going to step into this this morning. Um, the title of my message is A Mature Church, Part 2. So when I say Part 2, that means if you were not here last week, you need to get the podcast. Because I am going to be building on the foundation that I laid last week. And I'm going to give you just a brief uh, recap in just a minute. But this morning, um, I, I, coming out of this message, I want us to realize that spiritual authority comes as you understand your identity as light. Okay? Let's pray. Jesus, <laughs> Lord, we thank you that you're already in the room. And so, Jesus, I just ask you that this would be not my words, but your words, Lord. I, I thank you that you would pierce every heart, Lord, that your word would fill every single one of us, God. And so this morning, Lord, we're asking that this wouldn't just be a time of words, of preaching, of, of, of exhortation, but that this would be rooted in our hearts so that we would encounter you greater in a greater way and, and transform the city around us with your presence. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen, which means what? So be it. Come on, my daughter knows that. I ask her all the time, what does amen mean? She's like, so be it. I'm like, that's it right there. That's it. All right, so last week, we talked about three things. What maturity is, why maturity is important, and how we mature. And we specifically talked through Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 25, and we discussed this. Maturity is not about what I can do. Maturity is accessing the fullness of what is already inside of us. 
Wesley's in. He's there. We looked at deception. We talked about that. So that's, that's a reason why maturity is important, is to spot deception. We talked about how deception appeals to the flesh, but not the spirit. That's how you know when deception is present. Deception is going to appeal more to the flesh. What happened in Genesis 1? The tree, right? It appealed to the flesh, but it wasn't of the spirit. It wasn't what they were supposed to do. Maturity involves our soul coming daily into agreement with our spirit. Oof, this is good. Let's just, just re-preach last week. No. Immaturity looks for growth in other places, but maturity finds growth in the spirit. Immaturity looks for growth in what I can do. Maturity looks for growth in what Jesus can do. Okay, so that, that was last week, but, but I needed to do that to bring you up to speed with where we're headed. All right, Ephesians 5. Make sure if you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to open it up. Ephesians 5. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read, as I did last week, a lot of scripture. Um, I'm really packing a lot of scripture in because I really want us to dig into the word. Dig into the word and see what does Paul say here in Ephesians 5. So, so verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us in offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. There's the gospel. Verse 3, but sexual immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be mentioned among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness or foolish talk or vulgar joking which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Verse 5, for this you know with certainty that no sexually immoral or impure or greedy person which amounts to an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 6, see that no one deceives you. Sound familiar? Last week, see that no one deceives you. Deception again. With empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them listen to this listen to this verse 8 for you were once darkness but now you are light in the lord walk as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth verse 10 as you try to discern what is pleasing to the lord do not participate in the useless deeds of darkness but instead even expose them for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret Verse 13, but all, someone say all. So does all mean partially not? Does all mean maybe some of it's not? It means all, everything. Everything, all things become visible when they are exposed by what? Light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake sleeper. And arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. All right, that was 14 verses. So you just read four, you read a large portion of Ephesians 5 this morning, just now. The beginning section there, verses 1 through 6, I love what Paul starts out with. Imitate God. If you're wondering what your, what your mission is this morning, it's just to imitate him. Like we get to imitate him as beloved children. 
And so he starts out that way, meaning God's example, like we get to, even as children follow their parents' example, as believers, we're following God's example. That's how we imitate him. We're following his example. Verse 2 said, walk in love. And then verses 3 through 5, I love verses 3 through 5. And I'm just going to briefly tell you why. I'm not going to preach on this this morning. But Paul begins to talk about things that you should not be a part of. But what does he start with? He says, they should not, these things should not even be mentioned. Say mentioned. What does mentioned mean? Words. (laughs) Oh man, this is a whole message. Paul is saying, not only should you not do these things, you should not even speak of them. These things should not even be in your vocabulary, but instead, give thanks. Oh, that's so powerful. Like, let's not say things even that, that, like, let's not make agreement with things that we don't need to be making agreement in. Let's just give him thanks instead. That's awesome. And then verse 6, he talks about do not be deceived. And so again, the goal as imitators of God is to point people to him. Your life is to imitate him. We talked about Galatians 5.16 last week where he says, walk by the Spirit. That means to live a life continually controlled by the Spirit. Every morning I get to step into that. I get to say, oh, Holy Spirit, I give you my life this morning and I want you to control my my every step as you guide me today. And now I really want to focus in on Ephesians 7. I'm going to read it one more time. Do not become partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light. Say light. In the Lord. Walk as children of what? Light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. As you try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, do not participate in the useless deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake sleeper in Christ from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Does anyone see a theme in that passage? Light. You got it. What did we, what did we just talk about this morning, even in worship? Light. The Lord is doing something, and so there's five uses of this word light just in this small section of Scripture. Paul is saying, hey, I want them to understand that they are light. You are light this morning. There's that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. I love that song, but that song is theologically incorrect. It's a great song. In the sense that it's talking about the fact that we need to let our light shine. Where it misses it is the this little light. You don't have a little light inside of you. There is no place in scripture where you will find believers, you just have this little light, and so your job as a believer is to grow that light. That is not in the Bible. 
The light that is inside of you is full of the presence and the fire of God. And I'm going to show it to you right now. This word light in the Greek is the word phos. Say phos. All right, you just spoke Greek this morning. Listen to what this word means. This is why you need to look at the Greek words. Look at this. This word means radiance. It means an instrument of light. It means a fire, the light of God's presence, perfect brightness. So when you read this, you're not just looking at it from the sense of just, oh, just, just light. You're looking at it as the radiance of, of the presence of God, the fire of his presence, perfect brightness that is within you. And so Paul is talking about how we are light. So listen, you don't have a small amount of light. Oh, I think there's a lot of believers that are walking around thinking we just have a little bit of light. And we're just going to try to do the best that we can with the little bit of light. And I think the Holy Spirit is like, listen, you don't have a little bit of light. You have all the light of the presence of Jesus within you. You are to walk as a child of light. And so I want to I just take us briefly back, and I want us to look at other references to light in the Bible. Because, of course, we see light in other places, starting with Genesis 1. I'm pulling a Wesley this morning. I'm taking us back to Genesis. Genesis 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. What happened? God spoke and light filled the earth. This is the beginning of the Bible. And we already see light filling desolate, dark, and empty places. We start right off the bat. The earth was formless. It was a dark and desolate place. What does God do? He says, I'm going to fill it with my light. And he speaks and there's light. Psalm 139, I love what David says here. He says, if I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night. But then catch this, verse 12, even darkness is not dark to you. Mm. And the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. How can darkness and light be alike to God? It's kind of an interesting tension here. You're like, how is how, that possible? I want to tell you how. Because God doesn't see darkness. What he sees is an opportunity for light. Oh, man. God doesn't see this dark place that we're in. He sees an opportunity for the light to shine through the darkness. That is what he sees. Sometimes I think we get stuck in this place where we're like, okay, we're just, we're just dark. And, and, and I feel like God's like, no, 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 no. There's an opportunity right now that I just want you to see for the light to come in. <sighs> Matthew 5, 
The Sermon on the Mount, one of the best sermons in the Bible that Jesus preaches. He starts off with, you are the light of the world. In verse 14, you are a city set on the hill. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Don't hide your light. So I'm going to put this whole thing together. And I want to say this. A mature church understands that with the fullness of Christ within us, we are literally light. And light instantly fills a room. Did you notice what happened when we opened those doors? It didn't take two minutes for the light to come in. It wasn't like we were like, oh, come on, come on, light. Come on. As soon as we opened those doors, instantly there was light. Because light isn't something that we're like, all right, let's try to get light in the room. No, it's like, here it is. Did you know that every time you walk in a room, you could make an announcement and go, hey, here's light. Here it is. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to encounter Jesus? Are you ready? Are you ready? Here it is. Oh, that's good. Come on. You have everything that you need to overcome darkness inside of you through the Holy Spirit. Everything. Not partial. Not a little bit. Not Figuring out how to get there. Everything that you need for darkness to bow at the feet of Jesus is already in and through you when we walk by the Spirit. So if God doesn't see darkness but an opportunity for light, then we as his children ought to view darkness as an opportunity to see his goodness, his righteousness, And the truth of Jesus that is in us infiltrate every realm of darkness. Every realm of darkness. And so again, what I see Paul doing here is that he is relating our identity as children of light to spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. Paul uses the word expose. Say expose. And then he also says, all things become visible. This is an aspect of spiritual authority. Because when we understand the authority that is within us, then the light inside of us exposes darkness. This is what a mature church does. This is why we're building off of last week. You are, in, in the, with, with the Holy Spirit inside of you, maturity is walking by the Spirit. So as we walk by the Spirit, your life is going to expose darkness. Paul literally says in Ephesians 5 right here, he says, make all things visible. Darkness remains dark until you turn the light switch on. You know, when you get up in the morning and you turn that light switch on, it immediately fills the room like we just talked about. I think that there's a lot of believers within the church that we have a light switch, and it's the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes we're trying to figure out how to overcome darkness, and the Holy Spirit's like, why don't you flip the switch on? Uh Why don't you walk by the Spirit? 
Why don't you live a life continually controlled by the Holy Spirit? Why don't you realize the power that's within you, the peace that's within you, the comfort that's within you, the joy that's within you, the love that's within you? Just flip the light switch on and watch it overcome darkness. Sometimes I think we can get surprised when the world is shaking and there's darkness around us. You know what I'm saying? There's like this thing where sometimes I've even bought into it where it's like, man, everything is just really awful right now in the world. Why are people doing all of these things? Why do people not see things the same way that I do? Because they don't have Jesus. And so we're walking around and we're trying, we think that the world is going to line up with what we believe. The world doesn't know yet. You need to tell the world. You need to show the world. We can't expect the world to line up with our biblical values. We have to go out and we have to express what the truth is to them so that they know the truth and the truth will set them free. But I can't expect the world, I can't, I can't expect those in the world to walk by the Spirit. But I feel like sometimes we do this. We're like, man, why is the world shaking? Why is all this happening in the world? Why, why is politics the way it is? Why is all this stuff happening? And we're like, oh, the world. And, we're, and it's like, no, the world needs Jesus. I think sometimes there can be a temptation to focus more on the darkness around us than the light that is within us. This isn't what a mature church does. A mature church says spiritual authority is more about the light that is within me than the darkness around me. Listen, you are called to expose and defeat darkness, not run from it. I remember I was in Brazil. This was years ago. I was in Fortaleza, Fortaleza, Brazil, and we were on a a missions trip, and we were in the largest slum in this area, and it was massive, and it was like, oh man, you could just feel as soon as you stepped in, like you could kind of feel that spiritual battle going on. And I remember we were having house of prayer, which I love, and we were just praying and worshiping, and all of a sudden, this guy walked in, and he sat down, and I remember just going up to him, because I sort of felt a little off about him, you know? And so I walked up and I just put my hand on him and instantly I knew that he was having pornographic thoughts. Instantly. And so this was an opportunity for spiritual authority to come out. And it wasn't me. Listen, sometimes, I'm going to go here, so just bear with me. Sometimes we think of spiritual authority as this thing that we constantly have to rebuke and, and just get really loud. You know what I'm saying? And again, Jesus gave his disciples permission to cast out demons. So we are to speak to demons, cast them out, and there's a rebuking aspect of spiritual authority. But I don't think it's our primary response. I think our primary response is to let the Holy Spirit, the light that is within us, reveal something and enable us to pray against it, not always have to get, like, draw a scene to it. And so in this moment, I just get to pray and, and go after it in the whole, like with the Lord so that this guy can get free. But I didn't have to sit there and go, all right, man, stand up. Let's do this whole thing. The Holy Spirit was doing it because he revealed it through me as I partnered with him.
in it. Does that make sense? There was another situation in the same time where we walk into this house and, you know, I don't speak any Portuguese. I'm, 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 I'm not good at it. I wish I could speak better. But we walk in and, you know, I can't understand anything they're saying. Someone's translating for us and helping us out. And finally, we end up getting to this part where we find out that there's like the husband is, he's like abusing uh, the wife and the kids. It's a really bad situation. But he's basically said, I don't want prayer. And so we're like, okay, what do we do with this? You know, he doesn't want prayer. He doesn't want, want us to do things. And all of a sudden, this girl named Lauren, who was on our team, just bursts out praying in English. And I'm like, that's genius. They don't know English. <laughs> what a great idea. They have no idea what's happening. And yet what's happening is demons are fleeing. Because she steps into the reality of the Holy Spirit within her, and she says, even if you're saying you don't want it, the Holy Spirit's going to do it. And so right now, she releases the Holy Spirit, and I'm telling you, the whole atmosphere shifted. Everybody was like, whoa, that's Jesus. That's why we're here. That's spiritual authority. And so listen. Don't be surprised when things are stirred up around you. I love the story in Matthew 8. It says that two demon-possessed men confronted Jesus. Why do I love this? Because Jesus is going about his father's business, and the demons are confronting him. Why are the demons confronting him? Because he is so full of light. We don't have to go around searching for demons all the time. You get to live a life continually controlled by the Spirit. So everywhere that you go, what if the light was so powerful within you that someone walked up to you and they were like, ah, my name. You know, and, and there's this demon that walks up. And it's not that you went looking for it. It's that the light attracts that. And it's like, oh, I'm going to overcome that with light. That was what Jesus did. The life of a believer Walking in the fullness of Christ within them will confront darkness, expose deception, and extinguish wickedness. All right, so how do we walk in greater spiritual authority? I think sometimes we've viewed spiritual authority as something we need to constantly be getting more of. Like if I just had the spiritual authority like the pastor at church, maybe, maybe I could get there. If I just had a little bit more spiritual authority. Paul's point is completely opposite of this mindset. His point is this. You are light, so you already have all the light that you need to overcome darkness. We don't have to look to figure out where to, how do I get more light? We get to say, I am the light of the world. I'm not going to hide my lamp. I'm going to let it shine. Matthew 17, I'm going to read this. You can turn there if you want. Verse 14. I love this story. This is, this is when Jesus is there and a man comes up to him. It says, verse 14, a man came up to Jesus falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. 
for often, he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Verse 16, and I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? These are some strong words. How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out of him and the boy was healed at once. Then I love this, verse 19, the disciples are like, why couldn't, why couldn't we cast him out? And he said, because of your meager faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. This is a really intense passage of scripture that I think is often misinterpreted and misquoted. I think often the way that even I've taught this passage is the disciples needed to get more faith. I think we see, we try to see that, like Jesus actually says, because of your meager faith, but I want you to catch the next thing he says. He says, if you just had this much faith. So what's the point? The point isn't that they didn't have that they needed to figure out how to grow more faith. Like, how do I get more faith? That wasn't the point because the smallest amount of faith moves a mountain. So the point in this passage, I believe, is, that this, is Jesus was saying, you actually, you, you, you were in a moment where you were faithless. You just weren't, you weren't persuaded of what was within you. What I, I personally believe that the disciples in this passage were more focused on the demon in front of them than the power of God within them. I think they were so focused on this demon and like, all right, let's do all the things that we sort of know in our spiritual authority handbook. Let's go through the 12 steps to cast a demon out. Let's figure out how to, how to do this. And they were so focused on this demon, but they weren't focused on the power of God that was within them. Oh, come on. Sometimes I think we have this thing where we're like, we need to get more faith. You just need to believe. You don't need to get more faith. You just need to be persuaded of the faith that's already available and inside of you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to be persuaded of the light that is within you. It's not we're trying to figure out how to, like, if I could just have the faith of, of this evangelist, if I could just have the faith of this other person. No, no, no. That's measuring. It's not of the Lord. Instead, what we do is we say, I am going to step in and I'm going to walk. I'm going to be persuaded of the faith that is within me through Jesus. Listen to this. The more persuaded you are, the more confident you will become. Spiritual authority is being so full of light everywhere that we go that our life literally confronts darkness just by living in the room. Listen, I think as a church, as a whole, something that we tend to do is we step into worry. And what happens when you step into worry is you get into react mode. You're reacting to things, right? If you're worried about something and you're, you're really concerned, then what happens is you start reacting to it. Like, I'm just, okay, now i got to kind of figure out how to react to this. And I feel like the enemy wants us to focus and react to darkness 
instead of focusing on the light within us so that we're not reacting to what darkness is doing, we're exposing darkness through light. So we're not walking around reacting to what the world is doing. Oh, man, now we got to figure this out. Now we got to figure out how to, how to do things through this. Now we got to figure out how to navigate 2021. We just did 2020. Now we got to figure out how to do all this stuff. And we're worrying and we're so focused on this that we're reacting to it instead of exposing it. We are to expose the ways of darkness and make it visible with light. Paul says, he says directly here in Ephesians 5, he says two two words, partnering and participating. And he says, do not partner and do not participate in the useless deeds of darkness by giving the enemy once, which is our attention. So often we have made spiritual warfare about looking at the darkness and, and making the darkness this big thing that we have to cast out. That's not spiritual authority. Spiritual authority is looking at the big light that is within you, the tiny darkness that is around you, and saying, I am going to cast you out because I have light and you are dark. You don't stand a chance. But what happens is we've made darkness this mountain. And we've made darkness this big thing like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. And God's like, no, 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 no. You need to see the opportunity. This is an opportunity. The shaking in the world around you is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for light to step in. Darkness isn't even dark to him. Why? Because he's light. So as a believer, should darkness even be dark to us? No. We should see darkness, the world around us shaking, all this stuff happening, and we should say, oh, who's excited for an opportunity? Oh, come on. If we could be a church that could say, who's excited about this opportunity? I get to be light in this moment. I'm not going to allow darkness to lead me to worry. I'm not going to allow darkness to lead me in fear. I'm not going to allow darkness to lead me on this path. I'm going to say this is an opportunity to see the truth of Jesus revealed. Oh, that's it right there. Come on. That's, that's a mature church. That's a mature church. When we say this is who we are, therefore anything underneath this, we are not going to align ourselves with it. We're going to step above it because that's who we are, seated in heavenly places through Christ Jesus. Listen to this. The more attention we pay to darkness, the less persuaded we will be of the light. Oh, come on. This is what happens. We get so focused on what the what other, what, what, what other things, what's shaking and what's happening. And we get so focused on it and we're wondering why we can't see the light. Because our focus is off. If you're focused on darkness, you're going to be like, where's the light? If you're focused on light, you're going to be like, where's the darkness? Oh, oh did you catch that? Come on, is anyone as fired up as I am? I could jump off this stage right now. Come on, if you walk into a room, you're not walking into a room, darkness, and saying, okay, oh, it's darkness. Okay, woo, got to get my shovel out. Got to figure out how to dig out this darkness. 
throw the shovel away and say, no, 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 I'm going to flip the light switch on and allow the truth that is within me to fill this room, to fill this void, to fill this world, to fill politics, to fill every realm of society as I walk as a mature believer, which says the light within me is stronger than the darkness around me. If my attention is more focused on what God isn't doing, then I shouldn't be surprised when I become disappointed and discouraged. How do we become disappointed and discouraged? We're focusing on what he's not doing instead of focusing on what he is doing. You see, your entire perspective will shift when you stop looking at the mountain in front of you and instead look at the power within you. Everything will shift for you. If my attention is focused on what God is doing, listen to this. The light that is within me, then I can count on confidence rising, demons fleeing, perspectives changing, peace filling me. And instead of we can't do this, it becomes as David said in Psalm 18. For by you I can run at a troop of warriors and by my God I can leap over a wall. That's the spirit. Paul's charge to the church at Ephesus is this. You are children of light. So as children of light, do not participate in the useless. I love that he used the word useless. The deeds of darkness are useless. Don't focus on the useless deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. A mature church is one that is so persuaded of the light within them that darkness doesn't stand a chance. Not even a chance. When you flip that light switch on, you don't wait 10 minutes for the light to come on. You don't have to have Sean and and the worship team play for 30 minutes for the light to come on. You don't have to listen to your favorite evangelist on YouTube for the light to come on. It's in you. So we don't have to have everything. We don't have to have the stage set. We don't have to have the pad running. We don't have to be on a Sunday morning to experience the light that is within us. We don't have to be at youth camp, even though that's amazing. We don't have to be at a conference. We come from youth camp. We come from Sunday, and we walk in the light Monday through Saturday. And we're not waiting to experience and encounter Jesus. Instead, we are a living encounter. Walk by the Spirit. Oh, my daughter is just as excited as I am. Come on. So the question I want to ask, if I could have Sean come up. The question I want to ask us this morning, we can stand. I want to ask this one question, and it's a difficult one. Are you persuaded? Because listen, I love that quote by A.W. Tozer. It says, the world needs a fearless church. But listen, how do we get there? By being persuaded. Oh, your life is persuaded of the Holy Spirit within you. 
not just the, the not just knowledge not just head knowledge not just okay i've been to church so i know that the holy spirit's in me no no no, no. persuaded means that i'm persuaded of everything that the holy spirit as a person is and wants to do in and through me around me that's persuaded Persuaded is like darkness has no chance. Persuaded is like whatever I'm dealing with or struggling with, freedom, I have access to freedom inside of me. Persuaded is a world is shaking. Everything around me might be crumbling, but I'm persuaded of the light within me. That's persuaded. A mature church is persuaded. We're not going to react. We're not going to react to worry. We're not going to react to fear and say, oh, now we just got to figure out how to be a better church, how to do this differently. No, 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 no. Persuaded says, no, worry isn't even of him. Fear is not of him. Therefore, any opportunity that I run up against that mountain, I know, as David said, that I can leap over a wall. Because the Holy Spirit is within me, and the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, don't you focus on that darkness. Don't you focus on that thing that you've been struggling with for years. Don't you focus on that thing that you've been praying for and trying to say, oh, I don't know about it. No, 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 focus on the fact that this is who he is. He is light. And I'm just telling you this morning, the Lord wants to raise up a company of believers in this house called Convergence Church. A company of people that will say, we are persuaded. Not a little bit, not 50%, but persuaded so much so that we're like, man, that worry is leaving. Man, that fear doesn't stand a chance when I step into the room. So Jesus, I just want you to put your hand on your heart. Lord, we... Right now, we say that we will be a church that is persuaded of the light within us. Lord, we're not going to give the enemy undue attention. We're not going to give the enemy undue focus. Instead, we're going to focus on the light that is within us. We're going to focus on the light, not this little light of mine, but this massive radiating fire of a light that's ready to completely extinguish the works of darkness. Oh, Lord, that we would rise up, that we would rise up. Come on. A church rises up when they know that they're persuaded. A church rises above all of the shaking of the natural when they are persuaded. A church sees a generation step into freedom and the fire of God. They see people healed around them when they're persuaded. Because they're in their mind, they're saying, there is nothing else. And so the Holy Spirit's got to do it. He's got to do it. I'm not going to count on anything else. He's got to do it. And if he's got to do it, he's going to do it because he's in me. So, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that we will be persuaded. It is time that we move from reacting to leading. It is time that we realize that we are not called to react to things. We're called to lead people to the light. So Lord, we just thank you for that, God. We just say yes as a church. Come on, if that's in your heart, just say yes. Just say yes. I will be 
I will be that person that is persuaded. In Jesus' name, amen.